Hello, welcome, and good day, terrific and magnificent human being. What a privilege and honor to be with you again on the podcast. We have an absolutely fantastic show for you today. We have my friend, Native American of the Mi'kmaq people, David Lombear Senapas, back on the podcast sharing his teachings and his history and in this one we talk about ufos versus military planes leaked cia documents on extraterrestrials and spiritual math if you watch david on youtube i highly recommend checking this one out on youtube matt belair's show because at the end of the episode he starts to do and uh some spiritual math you kind of need to see it to understand it Uh, david was actually taught a different form of math than we were um and the interesting thing is when i vetted him with a mathematician it checked out but it's a little bit of a different understanding and very very fascinating stuff so in this episode we talk about leaked cia documents of eric davis and adam wilson spiritual contentment the biodome project um being grateful for this moment what is the lesson of the day do you practice what you preach project bright star project aurora Pulse detonation engines, the zoo hypothesis, uh, why we only have one energy, David's lesson in spirituality and math, and what is your incredible day. This is a fantastic podcast. I know that you're going to enjoy it. If you like it, please take a screenshot, tag me, share on Instagram at Matt Belair, share on Facebook, share the YouTube, uh, let people out there experience these interesting and fascinating uh, ancient teachings as well so sharing really helps you can leave a review in itunes that also helps and you can toss a buck in the bucket on patreon go to patreon.com forward slash matt belair it helps immensely thank you so much to all of you who've gone over there and uh, tossed a buck in the bucket and supported it really truly means a lot but the best thing that you can do is to if you want to support the show is one kind act for another human being today even better, take the kindness challenge, do three kind acts a day for a week. Go out of your way to do it. Don't tell anyone. And uh, when you're done, let me know how the experience went and uh, you know what happened because it's truly an amazing experience. And by people out there doing one kind act, you're actually affecting change each and every day when you choose to do that. So it's think about it as the butterfly effect. It really goes a lot farther than you can imagine. So I highly recommend you uh, give that a try. For those of you guys who are interested in coaching or speaking and you're looking to uncover your life purpose or really just gain a direction of meaning, a breakthrough, limiting beliefs and programming and learn how to design your preferred reality mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and you're looking to demystify peak performance and learn the tools, systems and strategies of the world's elite performers, uh, people in mindset, philosophy, spirituality, psychology, hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com. Make an inquiry, whether it's for coaching, for speaking, or training. Happy to work with you and or your organization. Um, Just need to know a little bit more information, so let me know. Um, What else do we got going on? I think that's about it. Sign up for the email list, and uh, let's just get into today's episode because it's amazing. Let's uh, not wait anymore. So let's come into a state of peace and coherence wherever you are. Just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day, filling yourself and every muscle and every cell of your being with joy, peace, contentment, compassion, enthusiasm, hope, inspiration and ready to take on this incredible episode 
My friend and Mi'kmaq Native American, David Lombear Senapas. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I am your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest needs no introduction. He is a Native American elder of the Mi'kmaq people. Welcome back to the show, David Lombear Senapas. Good afternoon, Matthew. How are you this fine day? I'm doing well. As I said in the beginning, International Skateboard Day. I know it's a hobby of yours. Not really. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a good day. I'm sorry? I said, yeah, but it's been a good day. How are you? Oh, the day has been good here, too. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, it's uh, overcast, a little bit of rain. Rained all last night, but uh, uh, we need the rain for the flowers. And if it's going to keep raining, we're going to build an arc here pretty soon. So. Sounds good. Well, I know you've been... Uh, uh, doing a lot. We're going to cover a lot today. There's been, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this leak document that got uh, basically, I think um, Joe Martino is the first one from Collective Evolution that made me um, just see it come into my radar, but it's a leak CIA document about Eric Davis and Adam Wilson about um, spacecraft and extraterrestrials and all that kind of stuff. I know you know a little bit about that. You are in North Carolina at the Biodome Project, a pretty incredible uh piece of technology that you've been working on for some time and some other things that you're working on. So you're going to give us a little bit of an update today. So I'll let you kind of take it from here, I guess. Oh, great. Thank you, Matthew. And uh, thank you for everybody out there that is joining us. Um, uh, open for questions today. Uh, just, uh, just looking at my, uh, all my list and some of the things, research I've been doing. I've been down to North Carolina for about a week. I've uh, been down there uh, working on the technology down in that area. It's a beautiful country. The, the, the technology that we're building is in Waynesville. Um, so it's kind of on the side of a mountain, and it's been really nice. If you guys follow my, my posts and my Facebook, I've been uh, releasing some pictures how beautiful it is. There. I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful, beautiful weather there. Uh, the night was leaving. It was thunder showers with distance. It was really nice. Uh, got a lot done on, on the biodome itself. Uh, uh, a lot of it is just uh, technical things, uh, making sure things are connected, uh, making uh, sure everything is cleaned. I um, uh, was uh, working on the top of the biodome uh, on a couple of things up there. Uh, I, I, right now, the stage that we're in, we're probably in the stage two or stage three. Uh, we're going to have to start building on the top of the biodome next next time we go down and so we're, we're we've got most of the stuff put into the biodome itself now it's, um, we're going to have to do some cleaning and um uh, and replace bolts and all that technical stuff that you usually do on technology uh, but it's um, um it was, i was down there and it, it looks like it's uh, running really good and we had a lot of people show up uh we had a um, a retreat down there uh, with some of the star people down there. A lot of people showed up for that retreat. Uh, it was really get to meet you all. I, I know that uh, there's a lot of new people, and I, I can't remember all your names, but hello, if you're joining us today, hello. I was really enjoyed talking with you. Um, I, I find it's uh, very interesting uh, that, uh, that uh, we're working on this project, and this project is uh, being uh, seen around the world, uh, not only in the United States and Canada and UK and Italy and Germany and all the different places people have been inquiring what this thing is. Uh, I'm probably going to get more into that uh, really technical part and what it really does. And uh, in a video, uh, we're going to be working on a video here in the next couple of months and hopefully that 
I'm going to be working with Matthew on this. That's new to you right now. <laughs> but, um, working on um, maybe a little small uh, documentary on what it does and, um, and how it's being put together and who's been helping. Um, but of course, this is a, a very big project. Um, of course, uh, funding is very important to this because right now we've been working off um, uh, donations and the people that's been funding it. And that's thank you to the people that's been doing that. Thank you very much. But the next part is a real technical part. Um, we're putting a resonator on top of the biodome. And the resonator, um, if you don't know what that is, it's, uh, it harnesses the magnetic field and the wind and uh, different uh, parts and proportion of the rain. Uh, th this one here would be a little bit different because it would be uh, getting a charge off the rain. So, and then that's gonna produce some of the power for the biodome itself. Uh, it's gonna run the electricity part. We have a salt capacitor going in there. A salt capacitor is a, what it, just what it is, it stores power. It's like a battery. And we have a tier battery that I'm gonna be building for that. So. Uh, hopefully that we're going to be uh, generating a lot of power from that because it's going to take a lot of power to run this thing. Uh, it's not a free energy machine. But I had a real good time down there uh, meeting all the people and we had a chance to look around a little bit down there. We don't usually do that because it's usually a working vacation. Uh, but the retreat went well. Uh, the, the biodome um, right now, I've got everything all set. Uh, people have been visiting. If, if, if you're in that area, please visit. Now, call first, but please go visit that. That's uh, uh, it's, uh, When I first started working on it, it was just a stone. Now, now it's, uh, it's actually doing something. And I find that, um, that more people are attracted to it. They, they go online and, and uh, they can see it. So, and I'm hoping that um, it'll be before this winter that I can at least have it uh, half up. Because uh, a lot of it, it, it depends on the contributions and and in in funding. So, and the the resonator is quite expensive and a lot of parts that go with it. So I've been I've been starting to build that. Um, uh, so uh, and once that's built here, it'll be taken apart and shipped down to North Carolina in the next few months. And we'll figure out how to put that on top of the biodome. Um, the structure the structure itself is. Um, um, it's probably 32 inches uh, round and uh, six and a half feet tall, and it weighs a little bit more than um, 1,400 pounds. So that's a, that's a quite a substantial thing to put up to. But we'd be putting it up in pieces, so it won't be that heavy. And once that is in, uh, we'll be yeah, hooking up the the, uh, the actual system to it. Um, we'll test the resonator, see if it's um, transmitting power the way it's supposed to be transmitting to the biodome. Um, we, we have an electrician on hand, hopefully that he's going to be still there. I'm an electrician, but it's good to have a, a certified electrician on hand, so when you do uh, rig this up, it's done right. So that, th those pieces will be uh, made too in the next couple months and installed. Uh, so hopefully by at least a year or two years, it will be a, hopefully fully running. Uh, the the, the um, biodome itself is very old, so the polymer that's on the outside of that is uh, deteriorating. That's been there over 30 some odd years. And when I checked out the top of it, uh, because uh, that polymer, uh, because of the sun, it eats it over the period of years. There's a lot of holes in the top. So all those panels are gonna be replaced one by one. And they by the, the polymer, the one inch by whatever the size it is, 
a six by six and some is about five by five. So there's about four different um, um, sizes up there. Uh, the, the aluminum has to be all polished around that biodome itself. It has to be shiny. All the bolts have to be taken out right now. They use regular uh, steel bolts. So over the period of years, all the bolts rusted. And we're putting stainless steel bolts back. Uh, and that's going to be all replaced and um, tightened up. The biodome itself, the structure itself is pretty solid. Uh, we tested that out. It's pretty solid. The inside, uh, the some of the... Um, the electrical has been outdated over the period of years, so some has been uh, the water has got into it. So that's got to be most of all taken down and, and new stuff put up. Um, and uh, we we have a resonator amplification system inside that we're building here, and that will be put in uh, hopefully by this winter. And what that is, it's a it's a it's a piezoelectric um, device, and it uh, we have about uh, twenty of them. In, in there and that will bring resonance to the inside that will actually vibrate you can feel that vibration and um, we have um, the crystal balls that uh, are uh, we're looking for they're by uh, two inches by five inches and they'll be hanging from the ceiling and that will be a star constellation in in the, the ceiling itself so we're going, we're going off the ground now. Uh, we've been working on the ground for the last couple of years. Now we have to go up in, in the middle of the biodome. So it uh, looks like we might have to put scaffolding up um, in the top of the biodome. Then we'll probably build a ladder system on the outside of it instead of using a bucket truck. Because that's pretty expensive to use that every day. So most of that, um, if we build the, the structure on the outside to, to get on the top, uh, we'll have safety rails up there and things like that to make sure that we tie it off and safe while we do this. Uh, what I'm finding the most difficult is time. Um, that I've been doing most of this by myself. Well, I have been doing this by myself the last several years. Now that um, if I tried to finish the biodome, it'd be at least over 83 years before I even finish it. So, and I don't think I have that much time left. I've been here for a long time, but I don't have that much time left. Um, I am looking for uh, volunteers uh, that have climbing ability and a little bit of engineering ability. Um, I can't pay you anything, but it'd be volunteer. Uh, if there was any money, I'd be glad to give it to you, but uh, we have um, uh, zero funds right now. <laughs> but I'm looking for uh, people that know a little bit about electricity, um, and a little bit about um, um, how to assemble things, um, because it's a... Uh, I've been doing this, like I said, by myself, and a lot of this stuff now is going to be technical. I can pretty well tell somebody how to build something, and if they have any um, cleverness to them, they can put this together and, and help. So that's what I've been looking for. That's what I'm looking for now. Um, you don't have to have an engineering degree. You don't have to have any degree. You've got to just have some smarts to you uh, and uh, not afraid of height because it's up there, pretty, it's, it's up there 50 feet. So. So uh, on that, that a lot of that work will be delegated out uh, in assembling. That I will be there to to help to assemble it. But a lot of it is like there's is a, um, a lot of labor work to get that up there and, and attached. And if anybody um, wants to volunteer for that, uh, please get a hold of me or the Star Teachings or uh, people at the Biodome, and uh, just we'll, we'll figure something out you know, on on getting down there. Um, on my stuff at home, is, um, I'm bumping the same thing that 
Um, I am swamped with um, uh, a lot of work, uh, but there's only one of me, then I'm, I'm still traveling speaking, and the speaking takes up a lot of my time, uh, and, and it doesn't, I need workshop time here, and a lot of that, again, that I have to mix um, uh, work with uh, work, but uh, I have to pay for this house, and, and, and all my bills and stuff like that, so what uh, makes up for that is my jewelry, that I work, um, that's how I make my income is my jewelry. And I have to put time into that and put time into the lab and, and everything else. So I don't really have time for fishing right now, which is fishing season. And you know, I talked to my sister today and she says, how come you're not out fishing? It's because I'm working. It's like, I'm trying to get something done, but it's like everything else, Matthew, is like, uh, we all have the same amount of time, you know, 24 hours, and what we do with that time is is really how we look at things. So, and like, as I have 24 hours, just like you, and what is the difference? The same amount of time. So, <laughs> but that's what I've been doing here. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the other research uh, that I'm, I'm, I have projects in Canada too that I'm working on, and um, of course to make time for that. And I'm an engineer, so I'm, I'm sitting at the drafting board and, and working on that. And I had to go out and buy some new machinery here and, and uh, things like that the other day. And like I said, that it's not. Um, uh, they don't sell those things for cheap, so a lot of them are pretty expensive. So I'm in debt now. <laughs> oh man, go yeah. ahead. Uh, well, I don't know where to. I don't know where to start because it's it's a lot. Like uh, you know, and working with you, you know, hand in hand, and watching how hard you work, and um, you know, you don't really take any days off. Uh, on, sadly, I'd love to see you go on a vacation because you're balancing creating these projects, doing the science, um, doing research, and then going out and speaking. And, you know, you go out and speak and offer the teachings freely as was requested by your elders, as I understand it anyways. And I've just seen you do that over and over again. But when people invite you to speak, they forget how much money it costs and how much time that is and, and all that. And you just go. And so you have to figure out the gas, the accommodation, the food, you know, weekend after weekend after weekend, and then get up to North Carolina, work all the time, give the teachings all the time. And, you know, you only have so much time and energy and doing it with primitive tools. And the fascinating thing is that um, what you've built so far works. You know, you've had uh, a number of technologies that have worked. And one of the things you've said multiple times is that it takes community, it takes people working together um, because these technologies and these things are for community. And it's not really just about the technology. It's really about uh, community and sharing teachings and um, a lot deeper than just, you know, what these things can do. You know, they're exciting, but it's not the meat and potatoes of what you're trying to share. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind sharing. That's what the elders asked me. I'm going to keep doing it. If I'm requested to go, um, I'm going to figure out how to, how to do that. Um, but the, the finances, uh, um, just like anybody else, you know, I'll sell the TV if I have to. <laughs> so we don't watch it. I sell that thing. Or, you know, some way to get there. But it's like anything else. This is that important. Um, people, a lot of people uh, tell me, is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. You know, we, we talk about peace on earth and love and all that. And I don't see very many people going out and actually sharing that when they say that. It's like, I think that if at least 40% of us in the world did what we did, the world would be a different place, you know. Um, but it's like a reward. And I was just talking to somebody about this. He says, uh, I'm doing all this work and I have no reward. And I was like, what is the reward? What, what, what do you want? Do you want money? 
And that's, that's fine. That's the reward. Um, is it satisfaction? Is it spiritual satisfaction? Um, because I was, I was talking with one of my friends the other day. And, they, and to understand what spirit is, uh, to be in spirit and to, to devote your life even in spirit. What does that mean? I mean, do you sit around meditating? Uh, do, you, do you go help at soup kitchens? Or what do you do? A lot of it is the, that, um, that contentment inside that we are looking for. And we do a lot of different things. Sometimes we do it through alcohol. Sometimes we do it through drugs. Sometimes we do it through uh, different um, spiritual movements out there that we're doing. Um, but that's what spiritual contentment is, that being satisfied in your environment to be able to, to get up in the morning and not have stress. I mean, is that possible when you're in debt? Yes, it is. It's, it's all, the, all that function of the mind, all that training that I ever did in my life and practice and meditation and, and talk to elders and, and work with kindness. You know, I'm still an angry person most of the time, but I'm still a happy person most of the time. I'm still a depressed person most of the time, but they all work sometimes simultaneously that you are in that mood and you are not in that mood. You know, uh, you want to be happy. You know, get on YouTube, get on some stand-up comic. If, that's, if that is artificial, it's, it's not artificial, it makes you laugh. And I know that, you know, I've, I've had fortunes go through my hands over and over and over. Money, not one cent of that money ever made me happy. You know, I never had like, a, oh, 20 bucks, I'm, I'm happy, or a thousand bucks, I'm happy. Uh, some people may think that is that contentment of not being depressed and and accepting this world is a spiritual contentment we find in everyday life. With, with my master that taught me in martial arts, he said, the beauty is not in the eye of the beholder. He said, that's a myth. The beauty is in the spirit of that person, what he's taught, uh, what he feels. Because most of the times that we, um, uh, especially as a scientist, because I'm, I'm supposed to know all this stuff, you know, uh, I'm a mathematician, everything else. And, if I'm such a great mathematician, how come I don't have thousands of dollars in my hand? You ever think about that? It's like, well, I should be able to figure out a way to come up with two bucks with mathematical form. Um, maybe so. And, but that contentment is like, you know, uh, three and a half years ago that I was homeless. Uh, what changed? Well, what changed for me over, the, over those uh, several years is the way that the, the spirit was inside of me. Is that I, the spirit's never left me. It's never abandoned me. It never, it never said. It never tried to punish. Remember that the spirit never punishes. And much as we think that happens, it never punishes. And the reward is what we make it. You know, uh, it was some people. I was in um, Home Depot um, uh, the other day, and it's pouring rain out. And people, oh my goodness, rain! I wish it'd go away. I wish it's sunny weather. But uh, several months ago, they wanted the snow to go away. <laughs> like, okay, the snow went away. Now we have leaves. And we, we we're never satisfied in that moment. And when, and when that goes, it's like, all right, what is your teachings? What, what is my teachings? What makes me stay on this earth and practice kindness and practice compassion and practice happiness? You know, is it the, the three random acts of kindness each day not telling anybody? No, that, that's, my, that's my personal spiritual belief. I'm, I'm doing that. Is it, is it in seeing my child, my son, uh, call me father, or seeing my daughter call me father? Uh, 
that that is a contentment. But it's like when you when this all goes and goes away, that we're gonna wish we're back at the second here. Ten years from now, we're gonna wish of this moment. I had all those moments. What happened to those moments? And then you tell anybody that's that's been in, over there or old, older that yes, this moment, this second, this nanosecond in time that we're doing right now is, is so important to our spiritual growth. It's a, it's a teaching thing. We may not have piles of money, no, and it wouldn't be making any difference. You'd be still in that place with piles of money. You might be smiling more, but it's the, it's the it's that moment, that spiritual moment. It's like, you know, a lot of people go around the world looking for knowledge, wisdom, and um, and and they go to gurus and uh, Tibet and all the you know all the places and do all these ceremonies and and still when they come back they're empty, you know, uh, because it was just a ceremony you know, or activation or something. And but it's like we are human beings. Uh, we are uh, needing touch. We need, we're needing the sensation of kindness inside of us. We need the sensation of being able to put that kindness out. No money, no gold, no silver. The world will give you that that, that right vibration. That's the hardest thing to understand here, Matthew, uh, because um, I'm I'm out there speaking and 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 talking and doing all the things and and. I want to make the world better too. I want the world to be kind and compassionate and happy. But if I'm not compassionate or kind and compassionate and happy, it's really hard to go through these teachings and, uh, and, and go out there and go forth and do something. You know, I don't know if people know this, but the, the next uh, couple of days, the uh, next uh, um, two weeks, uh, I'm getting married. I'm getting married to the most beautiful woman in the world. And I've done a lot of things in my life, um, but I've never been so scared in all my life um, about getting married. Because when you get married, that, that's a spiritual bond with another person. And like I said, I know a lot of things, and, and I, I talk about spirit and everything, but oh my goodness, Matthew, um, that i rather uh, sometimes attack a hill full of um, people with guns than um, get married because it bring, it's, it's bringing me to a real point here. It's bringing me to um, understanding of what spirit really is. It was like, wow. You know, the last, uh, I've been working so hard the last couple of weeks. And I had a little chance yesterday just to, to sit down and think about that. And, and I, I don't know if you, sometimes you think about that. It's like, holy, you can't catch your breath. Like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, it says, um, why would this person want to marry me? You know, and it's like, but we both agree. You know, it's going to happen. Well, you're going to be there. You're, you're the best man at my wedding. But. All this stuff that we do and, and go in the world and try and figure things out, you know, it all comes down to you uh, in this world and how we look at things. It's not I don't care whether I'm broke. It's not I don't care that um, they kick me out of this house and I don't pay rent. But that's part of life. But, you know, uh, but two years ago, I was in the car in the snowstorm. Six feet of uh, no, six, six inches of snow, 
not know when I'm going to go, when I'm going to eat. All I had to do is ask. And may, I never probably didn't get everything at that moment, but I got something. I got at least I can say something about it, to hear myself to say it. I think that's, that is the hardest part of this, start teaching this, is that when we spread kindness, our instincts is that we need to be rewarded for whatever we do. <clears throat> and that reward is like, that could be, which of the reward is silence, which, which of the reward is, is what we now think of what it is. We talk about lessons every day. You know, what was my lesson today? What was my lesson yesterday? You know, if I am a, a master in what I say I am, do I practice what I pe preach? Do I bathe in what, what I do? I think that's the hardest part of all the different teachings out there. It's like, all right, we say different things, but are we bathed in it? Do we bathe ourselves into that spirituality each day? Does it matter uh, what that reward is? Um, my reward at the end of the day is that I'm tired. Um, when I go to bed and put my head against the pillow, I sleep now. Uh, many years I've never slept very much, but being tired at the end of the day, no, I've at least done something. As it's my reward. It's not money. If it was money, then then I'll be unhappy because I'll be working for money. I've made, oh my goodness, friends upon friends upon friends upon friends, and you. Uh, without the star teaching, I would have never met you. The greatest gift is friendship, and I honor that friendship with you. And I hope that that uh, we um, we um, live so long we be at one of each other's funerals. <laughs> so, um, hopefully that you live a hundred years. <laughs> so what is another question? We're getting into um, fluffy stuff here. <laughs> well, first of all, I wanted to say congratulations on your upcoming marriage. That's a massive deal. And uh, you shared a lot there. And it's interesting because when we have private conversations or we do the podcast, it, it really ranges from, you know, spiritual ideas or how to be human and how to navigate the world that we live in um, to interesting technologies all the way out to um, interesting philosophies because your history is so fascinating. And I think the Native American history and indigenous cultures around the world, there isn't a lot of great information on understanding where they come from. And the more research that I do and the more research that you share with me, the more curious I get about um, that history. You know, like w when Columbus came over, you know, in our school, in the white man school, they say, Columbus discovered America. No, he didn't. <laughs> you know, how, how old is that history? What was happening? And what's happening on the planet now? And there's so many changes. And I feel like for my life personally, a lot of what you shared there was, was how I navigated. I wanted to be spiritually sound. I wanted to make an impact. And so traveled finding, you know, quote unquote gurus doing all these different things. But at the end of the day, I'm not even really sure what I learned sometimes, you know, and, and how I have to practice that each and every day. So uh, you bring up a lot of interesting points to just ponder um, from a philo philosophical point of view. And what I wanted to ask about, you know, the biodome or, or anything, because we can go a lot of different directions. I know that you have, are going to draw something and share something so you can do that. You just help me direct where you'd like to go. But you've also, you, part of what the biodome might be linked to, I'm not sure, but the balloon project had uh, uh, 
device on there that mo- cameras, devices to monitor um, activity outside the atmosphere. So you want to send another balloon into space. And the biodome does something with a magnetic field. So when it's fully active, um, can be sending or receiving, possibly creating inverse waves. And so you monitor a lot of what's going on and try to dis- dis- distinguish between what's baloney in the UFO world and what is legit. And, and you were the one who brought up this new CIA leaked document that's now out there about um, technology UFOs and as well as an increase in sightings. And I think it was maybe two months ago, you had said that there's going to be more sightings, that there might be another event um, that people should be looking up and just trying to pay attention. And so maybe you can speak about any of that. Yeah, uh, Matthew. Um, of course, you know, UFOs are a hot to- topic right now on the internet. And, uh, and there's a lot of um, uh, weird stuff out there. And a lot, a lot of people that see UFOs and you know, uh, there's um, um, a lot of activity out there, uh, people looking, we, we all have cell phones with cameras on it, and we, we take pictures, um, and usually if somebody sends me a picture of a UFO, I can pretty well identify it through your cell phone, what it, if it's just a, a beacon of light out there, that I can pretty well uh, figure out what that light signature is, and a lot, a lot of it is not UFOs, but, uh, but when we see something out there, and see something strange, see something over the rise, moving slow, of course, it's, it's an unidentified flying object. Of course, uh, there are men from Mars on there. Most likely not. Uh, the project that I, the Bright Star that I've been doing, is that uh, that I want to have credence to uh, the UFO sightings. Uh, you know, uh, the proper way to identify what you're looking at. Uh, I'm working on a program right now, or maybe an app, how you can identify what you're looking at. And some people. Once they believe something, um, it's hard to change their mind. Uh, I, I, I posted some fake UFOs that I, I just made up, and some people commented, "That's a real UFO." No, that's, I, I made that up. No, I, I didn't even use Photoshop. I just threw a hubcap and yeah, took a picture. And um, <laughs> a, a, a lot of it is, is like that. <laughs> a hubcap. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. That's right. So a lot of the misidentification of what these are that uh, we should be uh, trained in observing what, what we're looking at from meteors to satellites to rockets in the evening or some of the SpaceX stuff has been showing up on YouTube a lot. I noticed as UFOs, but we're not identifying the proper, it's not, I'm not a, I'm, I'm very much a believer in UFOs, but what's real. Uh, and that's, that's really hard to really find those, you know, I know that the government released some videos of their fighter jets tracking one of these things, but um, I kind of took that apart a little bit and kind of, and that's a little bit of misleading news. Uh, they was tracking something, uh, but it was identified after. And they, right now they're using it as a, a, a campaign of uh, uh, all the stuff they're doing in the atmosphere. Um, right, right now the a couple of the projects in uh, Phoenix and the Utah, they've been working on that the last four months. A lot of the, uh, we, they call the Aurora, but they renamed it uh, to a different thing. They've been um, uh, uh, using that quite a lot. And um, if, you, if you're in California or Utah or uh, Las Vegas, Phoenix, all that areas, they've been getting uh, sky rumbles, they call them. And the sky rumbles are 
what they call a pulse detonation engine. That's a, that is a, a, a very high advanced engine that works on explosions. Uh, there's a hundred sixty times a second in an explosion, and it propels them this craft uh, five to eight thousand miles an hour. So it's a quite an advanced craft, and of course. Um, they have to bring this way up high to test this thing, and um, and I had monitored it, uh, their test uh, probably about uh, three years ago when they first started um, uh, working on that engine again. I, I can monitor the, the skyquakes uh, uh, off through my balloons. I have a microphone on the balloons, and I have a, an electrical magnetic that picks up pressures waves in the atmosphere. So if a meteor comes in, there's a, has a pressure wave, I can monitor that pressure wave and figure out what that is. So this so-called so meteor traveled from U Utah probably to uh, uh, the boot of Italy probably within uh, 49 minutes. So that's, that's moving pretty fast. So I can track I can I can track the sky points. I can track um, some of the uh, activity up and down and sideways. So a lot of the, um, the video that I have that I'm tracking downwards. That these are not um, military crafts. Uh, you know, usually if something works under our atmosphere, is working on um, aerodynamics. That means that if you shoot an arrow through the air, it works on aerodynamics. And, and when the energy uh, subsides from that, it's, it is a calculable uh, thing you can calculate. With. So when you fire an arrow, it has an arc, certain arc, a certain speed, and it goes through the air a certain way. So that's human technology of, of that. So some of the other stuff I've been monitoring, um, it Probably doesn't work in aerodynamics. Works uh, more. Uh, figuring out is a uh, uh, works more of a magnetic field. Uh, it's a uh, it's like taking two magnets and uh, putting them and they repel each other. And it's and, and I can measure. Of course, I have the magnetic stuff in the balloons that I can measure the magnetic attraction and repulsive from the magnets well, from the Earth or the the full. So when this whatever these crafts are traveling through the Earth, you know, they have to they have to make a trail. They have to they have a, some sort of propulsion system, and it's trackable. Uh, it may not be trackable through a radar, but it's it is trackable through waves like the water. When I look down at the Earth, uh, I'm up there about 62 miles. I'm looking down at the Earth, and when one of these things goes through the atmosphere, it's like water. It parts the waves, and you can see uh, how it uh, feeds the magnetic field of whatever this thing is, and it pushes a, a phenomenal speed up to, uh, I think I tracked one at a 300,000 miles, 300, miles an hour, probably within four seconds. So that's not our craft. That's, that's something else that's going on there that, I'm not going to say they're aliens. I'm not going to say they're us, but I'm going to say that there's something definitely there, and it's and it's worth um, investigating. And and I've been trying to um, put up balloons in their corridors. Um, they do have corridors. That they just don't fly around randomly. Um, some do. They have to cross over to the other. Uh, I call them. Um, Fire lanes. They have fire lanes, and they and they travel from Washington State, um, uh, upper part of Canada, over over to um, uh, Toronto to uh, the St. Lawrence. So that's a pretty big traffic way. Uh, some of the incidental ones that we see, uh, if they are 
uh, coming down and uh, they're uh, like our drones. Uh, they are monitoring uh, radio broadcasts. They're monitoring um, uh, uh, aircraft uh, to make sure we don't bump into any of these things or make sure they don't bump into any of these. So we see the small ones, the orbs and things like that. Uh, what I'm figuring out is that I can track these now. Um, when I first started this like uh, 32 years ago, that uh, we were in Cherryfield, Maine, and I was there with a bunch of other people. And there was a bunch of sightings there at that time. So uh, we still, I usually go there for blueberry picking. And that means that that's how, that's how we made my, we make blueberries and they paid us for it. But after that, after August, that the fields were abandoned. And um, I, we stayed on the field, about four of us stayed on those fields for at least three weeks uh, monitoring. And we had um, radar, um, it was a, it was a, um, it goes on the ship or the small boats, you can buy them. And yet we had that up high and we can monitor at least 30 to 40 miles around there. And we did detect some um, anomalies in that area. Um, we had two or three pictures of really good um, observations of what these things were. And, um, and what they say on TV, they're cigar shaped. Um, some of them were moving pretty fast. Um, they didn't look like stuff that you see on YouTube. They're like round. Uh, some of them were um, uh, more of a, not a full triangle, but it's the, um, uh, more sharper than a triangle. Uh, almost something like you see on Star Wars. Um, and a lot of them uh, had a pressure wave around it, a magnetic pressure wave. So if this, and, and I, I figured this out, for, it took me several years that you couldn't take a picture of it. Uh, every time you took a picture of it, you're, because it's bending light around it, your camera could not focus on that object itself. Um, it bent the light, so it was blurry. So, and the, the, some of the objects that we, uh, some of the people have filmed are blurry. There's a reason why is because it's bending light or magnetic wave around it to get through uh, our atmosphere. And our atmosphere doesn't slow it down any. So a lot of the research I've been doing is, is, is some of that and some of the, um, the uh, notable ones that uh, people see uh, that investigated the Phoenix lights and all, all that things and people get mad at me because when it, they don't like they don't like what I say they are you know because I can detect light because light gives off a signature the sodium if it's um, um, hydrogen if it's um, uh, the LED lights you know. Uh, right now, we get a more mass of the um, of, uh, UFO sightings of people. Male, oh, I've seen this over this. And um, if you check online, uh, there's drones.com. They have thousand drones. Uh, different companies are doing this now. They can make uh, an image in the sky with the advertisement with drones. And check it out. I mean, it's, it's a pretty good site. I was trying to figure out that link, but I, I, I don't have But Just drones shows. And they have thousand drones up there making light shows and stuff. And a lot of people have been mistaken these for UFOs. Um, luminaries, of course, and, and there's thousand drones out there that uh, people mistake. And uh, somebody just sent me one the other day and said, oh, it was hovering over the highway. And, um, and I ran into my program, and of course, it was a drone. Yeah, but they said it was UFO, but maybe so. But it's identifying what we're looking at. And I think that's, instead of jumping to conclusion, what we, we think it is, there's a way to identify what you're looking at. Uh, if you see a UFO, well, make sure the time is noted, where you are, what angle, where the sun is, what date. Um, and, um, and if you're taking a picture, um, uh, don't get excited. Uh, uh, 
take two second shots. Don't don't take your camera and go click 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 click. click. Uh, take uh, two second shots. Um, uh, make sure it's identified where it is, location, uh, how high it's in the sky, uh, what time of night, uh, what color is the light, um, uh, and um, and we put these all together and trying to come up with a, a, a ex an explanation of what it is because uh, we're narrowing it down now to, uh, to understanding where these things travel. Uh, they don't always travel over over the cities of the United States. Uh, there, some of their um, informational drones do because they're looking for. That's most of the things that we see. The bigger ones, uh, uh, they they stay away from the city limits. Uh, sometimes the core of the United States, maybe uh, the Pacific Ocean, Pacific Ocean. There's a corridor in um, in Atlantic Ocean that they fly through, and they have pathways all around Earth. And we've been trying to map out where all those are. So. Um, I'm, I'm a UFO believer, uh, but I, I, I want to make sure that I'm, what I'm looking at is real and it's not uh, fake. Uh, and, you know, so it's really hard to depend on YouTube anymore because, you know, there's at least 60% uh, of the fake UFOs people make up and things like that. I was a little bit disappointed with um, um, one of the videos that um, uh, The Rock, I guess, UFO, it was, over, it was hovering over the sacred spot. And a little more investigation that figured out that was fake. Looks looks real. It had over five million um, uh, views, but uh, we're looking. You know, we're looking. But it's like the fakery is really easy out there right now to do. You know, if I can just throw a hot cap in the, in the air, and people saying it's UFO, fakery is especially with the new um, software out there. It's really hard to even picking a face is it's easy now. But identifying what we're seeing and what we're looking at, I think that's important. Uh, the balloon project, uh, I'll be putting up another balloon here in a month or so. Uh, that that balloon um, will have um, uh, different sensors on it to uh, measure uh, the magnetic frequency of the Earth. Uh, people have been asking what the frequency of the Earth is. and, and you can pretty well come up with that hurts what it is, but um, the magnetic frequency is different from the ground from uh, 100 miles up. So I'm going to try to map all those layers going up what those frequencies are. I'm sure that somebody's done it before, but I, I want to make sure I have an accurate measurement. And um, they, at that time, I'm, I'm syncing it to uh, one of the asteroids that will be passing the Earth. And hopefully that has a sophisticated camera on board that I might be able to take a picture. Because once I get it out of the atmosphere, um, my, the, my men's technology has been advancing. So I can see something at least at two, 3,000 miles away and then get a pretty good close picture of it. So that's what I've been doing. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I don't even know where to go from here, but what I'll, what I'll share is, you know, the first time that I saw a UFO and unidentified flying object, whatever the case may be, and it was really close and, you know, it's a whole experience that I could go into, but we'll just, we'll just skip that. But uh, it was close enough for me to know that it wasn't um, a drone and it wasn't anything else. It was just some sort of pulsing light. And I've seen different ones, but I don't know, they could be anything. But the first thing that I thought was, well, it could be military in the military industrial complex, I think is a thing. And you have now, I don't know how many billionaires, but a lot of these billionaires want to go to space. So then my mind goes to a uh, men in black idea. 
how many billionaires or let's say if there are 13 families that have a lot of extraordinary wealth or how many other people on this planet have extraordinary wealth and what are they doing with that technology? What are they building? What do the masses not know about? And so sure, I'll give a, you know, it could be human technology that just the masses don't know about. Um, but if it is um, technology from something else, some, some other species, I feel like is also a possibility as well, because it does seem like that there is information from our governments, um, like this government document that's out. There's also one that you had um, shared before. Am I allowed to share that CIA yes. one? Um, yep. The Adam and Eve story. Um, that was a classified document. And there's a lot of government research on anomalies. And so what do you, and, and I've also heard you talk about the UFO highways before. And if you look at the work of Graham Hancock or Eric Von Donneken or people like that, and again, there's, don't believe it all, but it's very fascinating um, points of view in older histories, much older than 4,000 years, 10,000 years, 20,000 years. And so, you know, they say in that book, the Nazca lines were kind of like a, an airport. And I think that that's what you were sharing in the podcast, like some sort of like direction and talking about these, um, yeah, ways on the planet that, that the ships would travel. And so my question is, why do you think that there's an increase in UFO sightings and, and what is their purpose for they just like looking at us like the zoo hypothesis. And that's something I invite people to check out. Um, they're just kind of observing, seeing if we're going to blow each other up. Um, I've also heard that we're in for some sort of catastrophe on the planet um, from multiple sources, but I don't want to do fear tactics because I've been hearing that since I've been a little kid. It's going to be one thing and then another thing and another thing. But if I observe humanity as a whole, it doesn't look like we're going towards peace. It doesn't look like we're going toward <laughs> collaboration and the whole waking up movement. I hope so. Um, but I still see a lot of famine, a lot of war and a lot of nonsense. And it'd be nice to see the species grow up a little bit. So maybe you can comment on some of that. Well, there's a lot of questions back there. <laughs> Just choose. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to ask one direct one, but you choose whatever <laughs> you want to talk about. Well, as the world is, there's, um, when there's humans involved, of course, we are our own worst uh, dream. Uh, that we, when we um, are together, that you know, some of the hypotheses that we come up with is that um, that we think the world's going to come to an end. Now, most likely that is that's, that's a kind of a different way to think. But if you if you when you leave this podcast today and you go out in the world and you're driving out there. Um, people, you see these trucks passing you with food in it. Um, you see these trucks passing with materials. Now, if you're buying a new phone, if you are uh, buying clothing, you're going on trips, you know, it seems a little bit different. You don't think about that hypothesis of the earth ending. You only think about it sometimes when you're on this machine. So, like there's possibilities. Uh, um, sometimes the, the wavy UFOs, um, uh, they go every 13 years that we that we take interest in this because there's uh, something going on because it's stimulated by different things. It might be stimulated by our government experimenting on new aircraft uh, that stimulates uh, growth on the internet. I've already done the numbers on that uh, on the internet that now you know there's UFOs we've seen and we're more to, have to look up instead of at a phone. And when we start looking up, we start. Notice, oh, the star system out there, there's the moon, 
uh, there's plane flying, and you know, some of us are we're so stuck to these phones that you know, then uh, we lose it for a day and we get depressed. I've seen this happen before. And then we start looking outside and all the different things out there and trying to identify that. So a lot of that is that is, is that what's going on there, um, and, and a lot of it too is that. There are things going on out there. There's, there's been things going on there for thousands and thousands of years. We're, to us, it's no different. Uh, most of these um, species don't really care about us. Uh, uh, just and, and we're, you know, we want to have peace in the world. Uh, is that peace going to be coming outside of this world and help us to make peace? I think that we have to make peace in this world with ourselves and our neighbors before we have any first contact with anything. You know, a lot of people claim first contact. What's that first contact look to the natives but with Columbus? We talked about that a little while ago. That wasn't, when that first happened, it didn't seem so bad. You know, uh, it took over 80 or 130 years to have that contact really uh, be bad uh, because that wiped out at least 70% uh, of the natives in uh, North America with their diseases and killing and all that stuff. You know. If we have first contact, is that going to happen to us? Uh, are they going to uh, uh, infect the disease into our into our civilization that wipes out half of our military power, have, uh, um, wipes out um, the the um, political structure, the, the religious structure? Um, we don't think about that contact. We, we keep on thinking of the contact that you know, um, peace and uh, take me to your leader, and but um, people don't realize that. Uh, as human beings that we're ignorant to our own source and when we're ignorant to our own source that this we think everybody believes like we do you know uh, we, we we look at a a, um, a deer looking a lamb and we say, oh that's love remember that's only human interpretation not what we think love is uh, but the real interpretation of that is that that's built into the deer's system of that of that uh, reaction of kindness and we present it to something else. And I know that when I was down in North Carolina, we was talking about love, and it's really hard to prove it exists because if, if we put love up against this world and say, well, love exists, I think um, no's have it because look what we've done to our human species. Uh, we killed, raped, uh, massacred, uh, genocide. Uh, you know, is that love? And probably people say, oh, you know, we're learning. It's a hard way to learn love. There's a lot easier way to learn that, you know. But it's like anything else. It's like we keep on thinking we're the big and bad here. We understand about aliens and all that stuff. But no, we can't even understand what a dolphin says, let alone uh, if somebody speaks a foreign language, you know. So that gets us first. Now we want beings from another world to come and introduce their systems to us. Like, wow, we don't even have our system down pat. So a lot of this is that that's out there on the web and uh, all the lectures I go to and, and the disclosures and everything like that. Is that are we really doing that? Are we really disclosing um, or are we selling books? Uh, you know, um, I don't think uh, most of those people really wanted to talk to me because I don't have the fluffiness of, of a lot of different things. I have real things it's like, okay, if there's a UFO, Where's your research? Tell me, are you getting your research from uh, documents or are you out there in the field uh, actually looking for something? And most of them is just going through documents or writing books about different things. But 
I, I get upset because we're stuck there as a scientist. Uh, if we are uh, come up with a new device to help us to clean water, if it's a crystal, um, um, give it to a scientist that you don't know. Uh, see if it works. Um, but, um, but I don't see that going on. Or you come up with a new mass equation. Um, we should be able to use that. You know, the cell phones that you have now are mass equations, and that was done by mathematicians out there, the, the real mathematicians, so they can help you communicate. You know, when we're talking about aliens and, and reptilians and stuff like that, it's a great thing to talk about, and it, some of some of it's believable. But it, let's go expose them. Let's go let's go rip up this <laughs> something because you know that's what I hear a lot when I go to these uh, conferences or they talk about the Pleiades system. I'm from Pleiades and like that. Do you realize Pleiades is bigger than New York in that system? Which part of Pleiades are you from, or which part of and you know tell me you know. But a lot of it is just so much hype out there, and I get in so much trouble uh, talking because when I start talking about it, people get people mad. No, this is true. Remember, we're in the dark ages of spirit here. So we are, we are looking at a whole kinds of different things and trying to make us uh, have a future, I guess. And I think that's the most thing I get upset with is that, that yes, I do believe in some of this, but let's, let's not stop the research. Let's keep doing the research. You know, I'm poorly funded with my balloons. I have to, um, I have to put all the money into me to make my balloons to prove a point. But most of these people, you know, get funding for what they do. I, I just was, I was funded for one of my projects because right now I'm a dump, I call the dump scientist. Uh, I go to the dump and uh, look at parts and um, that's how I build things. And I guess a, a lot of this too is that, is that communication, that we need to have better communication. Um, you know, you can get out there in the circuit and you can get on all these tours of the disclosure and all the burning man and all these different things. But, you know, somebody is out there making money. And, um, but it's, I get so, uh, you know, been down the, uh, you know, the biodome that costs us over $7,000 to go there. And we don't have that money. I mean, we, we just barely got there and still paying for it. So is my research credible? Um, I think it is. I've been doing it for 40 years. Some of these people haven't been doing it for that long. Um, I, I've been, I send my, my balloons into space. Who else can claim they've done that, you know? Um, I'm, I'm, I try to be open as possible in some of my research I'm doing. Um, but it's like anything else. It's like coming back down to that, um, being funded or coming up with a couple of dollars so you can to, to put a balloon up and, you know, Helium tanks are like $300 a tank, and I need three of those to put a balloon up. But it's like, you know, I guess um, a, a lot of it, I'm, I'm not going to stop because I don't have the dollar, but I'm going to keep doing it. But it's like anything else. It's like, is, it, is this worth it? To me, it is. I'll keep doing it no matter what. So. Hmm. It's my spiel. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you said a lot there, and I'll share from firsthand experience of, you know, diving into U ufology, ETs, aliens, all that kind of stuff. I've done a lot of research on it, and what I find fascinating when I spend time with you and Clifford Mahudi, who is a Zuni elder and also a Mayan elder, Carlos Barrios, is your view on 
um, non-human life on history. All three are 20,000 years old. Um, but the big thing that I think is important with the three is that for you guys, it's not fantastic. It's not like this glorified thing where you, you suck about selling books. And um, I think Clifford Mahuti will talk about the, the media circus and this thing. And it is a very real business. And when you dive down on each individual doing it and you look at the story, let's say it's an encounter or it's some information about alien species, and you boil it down into real tangible information that can either uh, help you have an understanding of the earth and stars and another species. It's almost like science fiction. It's not to say that maybe it's true or not true. I don't know, but it's not, um, not helpful a lot of times. And what I really found fascinating was that when you and Clifford would be presented an idea, you would have the same understanding, whether it was like, let's say X in the UFO community, you would both know whether they were legit or not legit. And you were very adamant on research. It's like, if you didn't know, you didn't know. And you would take the time to go through and really do very thorough research. And when you didn't know something, you would just say, I don't know, we'd have to look at that. Or you would have the same understanding. So I thought that that was very important where you would, you know, and you're always inviting people to do the research. And the more research that I've done, it's given me a more clear view on what I perceive to be more relevant and useful and truthful information. And what I refer to as more fluff, more um, nice story, more interesting ideas, um, but maybe not as grounded. And I feel like when we've traveled together to Disclosure Fest and these things like that, it's more around the fun of it, the circus of it, the um, fluffiness of it, rather than, okay, if there is something out there, let's take this seriously. And the other thing that you commented on that I think is important is just scientists working together. And I had a podcast with Marshall Lefferts yesterday, a really good one, and you know, talking about a lot of different ideas. But and uh, also Brian Keating, who's a physicist, an astrophysicist who, you know, we, he doesn't believe in the ET phenomena, which is, which is fair. I wanted to know his, his point of view, but his, his argument was that it was improbable. And, you know, I don't know if that's a strong argument for me, but it's still an argument. He's an astrophysicist. You got to um, look at, you know, what he's sharing because it could be secret organizations of humans that I am unaware about. It could be any number of things. I have no idea what's going on. Um, but the point is that as a human species on this planet right now, we have all these scientists, we have all these engineers, we have all of these brilliant people segregated through different things like nationalities and um, agendas and money and things like that. If a species were looking at us, we would be a very uh, adolescent species with a bunch of clubs. You know, why are we not collaborating? Why is it not Team USA scientists with Team Norway, with Team Russia, with Team China? Um, looking at global problems and making sure everybody has food, water, shelter, everybody is collaborating, everybody has peace. How do we get to the, to the moment where we are a peaceful civilization? Uh, and I think that that's our, our next big leap um, together. So I don't know if you want to comment on that. And I know you had something you want to draw for us. I don't know if you want to do that. I, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> well, I think the reason why we don't cooperate with each other is a lot of it's ego, you know, I have ego. Um, somebody wanted to see how my thing worked, and I was hesitant to show them how it works uh, because it's not a free energy machine. Um, most people that have free energy machines, they don't want to share all the data with you. Um, I don't believe in free energy machines uh, only because that I, I was on that road for about six years. That's a rabbit hole you don't want to go down. Um, 
if you have to pay any money to put anything that's stuff together, it's not free energy. Uh, it's, uh, that's, that, that means this uh, energy is putting out more than it goes into it. Uh, the galaxy doesn't even do that. Uh, if you weighed the galaxy and the universe and the stars, there's no free energy there. There's always an exchange of energy there. There's never more that you can get out of it if you do the math. So the, co the cooperation of the Earth is ego. A lot of it, a lot of it is, um, is uh, politics, uh, money. Um, a lot of these people need grants to, uh, to be able to build... The, to go around the world, just like me. I have no grants, I have no money, so it's really hard for me to share my data with anybody else. Uh, a few people that want to sell, just send me the schematics and I'll build it. That's one way of doing it too, but a lot of it is that I would need to be there to build the first one. Uh, but it's, it's like that, it's, I find that like that with uh, the community, what's going on, all the different, um, the circuits I go into to speak and things like that. Everybody's segregated in what they do. Um, uh, somebody that's uh, into disclosure doesn't really talk to the physicists, or somebody's into physicists don't really talk to the people that believe in ghosts, things like that. So we're all segregated in what we do because we're supposedly experts in what we do. <laughs> and I find that quite a lot out there that's happening because I'm asked to speak in a lot of different places. But it's like, um, sometimes I just feel like a showpiece. Uh, oh, yeah, the Mi'kmaq elders coming to speak about physics. Oh, Indians know physics? And, and it just goes crazy after that. You know, if you look into our community, the Mi'kmaq community, we have doctors, we have people, of doctors, we have um, people just like you that's smart and everything else, has diplomas and everything else. You know, but we're so, in the mind of, um, I know that a lot of people, they, that I talk, they don't understand what culture is. So especially becoming as a scientist into another world, what culture really is. So the people are saying, oh yeah, I understand about culture. Um, and, uh, you know, I smudge you uh, with the, can I smudge you? Can I give you tobacco? But in my world, uh, as, a, as a native and as a Mi'kmaq, as a Mi'kmaq of the community, that runs pretty deep with me. If you take our spiritual stuff and you're using it and you're not native and you're trying to smudge your native with it, it's like, mm, it's probably not going to work too well. But we don't, they don't, we're not thinking about that. That's not thought of, you know, because it's all, it's all right. But remember your culture and my culture is a whole different thing. And, you know, I know that I, I talk in my native communities and stuff like that. And, we're still segregated. We're still segregated by spiritual belief in um, politics and all the different things that we do. And we, we still look to the non-natives. Maybe most natives don't do this, but um, most natives look non-natives at a whole different thing. You know, uh, did you take my culture and are you practicing the spiritual part of the culture? And some people say it resonates with me, but they're not thinking. I'm not really thinking on what they're really doing because. I have a lot of non-native friends that practice native ways, and they don't realize how insulting that is to me. It's not, it's not because I don't even practice, but they're just not, not thinking about it. It's like it resonates with them, and that's fine, but it's still, I still find a problem with that. But in sharing um, our knowledge and what we do, with that, that's wide open, um, but again, uh, when I first came here uh, into this world, into your world, to share these cultures, 
uh, probably the first uh, time I spoke, I was, I was discriminated against right in front of 300 people, but people didn't really realize it because they're not thinking. Um, I, I feel like sometimes when I go speak, um, people uh, call me a native elder. I, I, don't, I don't consider myself an elder, you know? Uh, usually an elder's earned. I don't believe that I earned that right to be an elder yet. Um, but I don't, I don't tell people, say, I don't, you shouldn't say that, but I'm not trying to change the way they think. Um, it's, I'm very honored to be called that, but I'm just a human being. Um, just somebody that, that um, is looking for truth just like you are, looking for peace on earth, uh, all the different things. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we stick with those labels, don't we? Uh, we want to be a scientist, we want to be an elder, we want to be a sweat keeper, we want to be a pipe keeper, we all want all these, how come we just can't be, be a spiritual oneself sometimes? Because we don't need any titles for that, to uh, understand the universe and who the creator is and what the creator is. I think that's part of the problem in the world, that, that understanding of, of sharing and communication. Um, you guys are not taught that. You guys taught to keep what you know in, in a box. Um, but it's like anything else. It's like I don't have a thousand diplomas. Like I don't have a doctor degree in anything. You know, I I, I graduated from high school. Uh, I had a cheap two grades to get there, let alone get it come out alive. Um, but it's like anything else. It's that understanding the communication community and how to actually uh, lower our shields and. Um, and talk to each other. I haven't seen that quite yet. You know, I've met a lot of people out there, but we're not in that uh, institute of sharing quite yet. And all the conferences and all the all the places I spoke, um, I haven't seen it. You know, um, usually um, when I'm up there uh, talking, usually somebody talks over me or, or or something like that. In Longhouse, you don't do that. You let the person talk. And every place I've been. North Carolina, people want to talk over you and tell you what they know and tell them that you're wrong or they, they bombard you with questions. You know, I heard about this thing down in somewhere else. Is, is it true? I don't know, really. Um, I've seen it on YouTube or read this book or something like that. So, well, you, the best thing you can do um, is don't go on YouTube, believe it. Don't uh, use your machine. Go there yourself and find out if it's true. That's, you know, that's what I do. I mean, I do look on YouTube every once in a while, but, you know, I, I figured out YouTube proves my facts. You know, we're all crazy, you know, we're all crazy out there. Hmm. Wow. Well, yeah, you said a lot there again. And again, I can attest to the, the speaking over thing. And one of the things that I've learned by hanging out with you and just watching how you operate and how you're sharing the information that you were taught. And um, it's interesting the reception that people get and, and how people will, rather than listening fully, will more or less speak over another person and, and not really go for that listening. Even when we're in environments where I feel people would be very curious, especially for some of the things you say. And, this, and that's how you and Clifford are, are two of my friends because you're saying some things and I wanted to know more. And then you would share more as I would listen more. And uh, it's very different than other knowledge that I've heard. And it's unlike anything else. And it doesn't come from books. It comes from oral history, which I think is really fascinating. And that was the original intent of having you on the show like three years ago was listening and saying, holy smokes, I don't think any 
uh, you know, non-natives know this, I feel like you should share and give people an opportunity to know about your history, about your knowledge, about your research and about what you're doing, because it is very, very different from how we operate in the West. It's, it's polar opposite and it makes it very challenging to continue to move forward um, using that way of life and that understanding and that um, just way of being because it doesn't operate in our system as far as money goes and how people, everybody wants the business plan. Everybody wants this and that. And it's, you know, it's, it's information and technology for all people and information for all people and collaboration and listening. So it's a very different thing. Um, I'll leave it. I don't, do you want to share that draw? You're going to do a drawing or something. Yeah. I don't know what that was. I'm curious about it. So we, we talk about math and how spirit um, uh, works with math. And, you know, I get this question quite a lot. Um, how does math, uh, how, how does math interpret into spirituality, you know? Um, uh, it has to work for all the beings on the earth, including the eagles and ticks and, and everything else is like, how do we perceive God? How do we perceive the creator? And we have different ways of thinking about that. And I think that the first thing that we see in life is that we define that line or that teachings two different ways, two opposite directions. And when the two opposite directions um, go in different different places, of course, we would call those uh, because we call that A, we'll call that B, uh, A and B. They, they go in opposite directions, and they're forever and forever of the line. So we, we, we look at that line, and that line goes on supposedly forever. But that's our perception of, of what life is. And A will never meet B. And as time goes on, th this, this space in between will get bigger. But uh, how do we perceive space now? Now, um, we can perceive space as in what I just draw the, on the piece of paper. Uh, but we have to think about it a different way. We have to perceive what's real. Uh, what is that perception real? So what's real now is that line. That is the perception of space, N not this, not, not this, not this. Perception of space now is a line. Uh, the flattest line in the world, you can ever think of what more flatter than paper, and it does have width and it has depth to it, but it's, it's the understanding that we don't really understand what that is. And in our, in our world, this is our world. And that perception that we put into that world uh, uh, is, of course, again. But now look what happens. A, B. So the perception of a straight line is, depends on our distance, what we travel. If we travel that straight line uh, of our life and what we do, guess what we go back to? is to A. That's all we know of our world is this right now. Um, and we, 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 look up, we look up here to the stars and we observe the stars. 
but we're not really traveling to those stars. Uh, our perception again is the A to B and B to A, and it just goes around and around the Earth and what we know. Now, in understanding what this is, uh, this is only a speck of light in the sky, and and our what we perceive, what we see, what all our beliefs in this world is in, in what we see, and that belief could be green men, it could be Pleiades, it could be all the different things. And whatever that belief is, um, is uh, the uh, peace and quiet, uh, wars, all the different things happen here. They don't happen here. That's only our perception. So that perception, what we, we see, and again, We see that as that. So is this like the straight line? Are, are we using th this as an excuse from going to the next step in evolu spiritual evolution? <laughs> this is this word itself. It's a very powerful word. We, we use it at least five times a day, much as we don't know. And that's, that's to, for the whole world. And, you know, that's good. But um, we hear no at least 15 times a day. And when we hear no, that, that stops us from the spiritual evolution. Uh, we go and get a job. Um, we go out and just uh, do what's minimal. And when we're doing what's minimal, uh, we say, oh, I, I love that. That's really nice. And we're believing that again. So you hear no more than you hear love. So it's really not working for us. We, we make movies, we write songs, we make cards, we do all the different things. Love your neighbor, love yourself. I don't think we do that. Um, so a, a lot of the perception now is that we go to A to B to work. And that, that line is never straight. And our life is not like that. But if we look in the spiritual sense, the beginning, we were born, then we die. This perception here now is the truth of our life. So if we make, a, make an arc of that, that's what we get if we go up. And where there's life, is death. But in the, human, in the human self that we work all day for, for a dollar or whatever else and think that's our life. And we, we go out there day after day to, to supposedly love what we do. Well, after what we hate it. But understanding really what the mathematical thing here is, is that, all right, let's do it again. Okay. In this world. Zero is a non-existent that doesn't mean, um, means nothing. It means uh, uh, completion of nothing. Uh, complete, uh, there's no numbers. There's no two. There's no three. So zero is a sort of a beginning in our life. And of course, we, we take that life and um, we, go, we uh, practice a spiritual way maybe. 
you know, like in this this part here. is you in this world and our perception what we think and what people tell us the mathematical part is this perception zero equals to whatever what the, what we think spirit is and what spirit is and we keep on thinking again it's like oh my god what's spirit maybe it's three let me tell you why there's three <laughs> because in electrical form, you have two equals. You have a middle, it's a ground. So the, in, in the, the structure of your body, the, the molecules and everything, you are basic electricity in, in, in this um, form. You have negative and positive. Well, you, you can't stop start your car with negative or just positive. It has to be equal on, on this. And when it's equal on that, it's an equal amount of energy tra tra transferred over, and we can use some of that energy uh, to live. And this is you in this equation. And you're, you are the ground of this world. You survive on one energy. That one energy is electricity. And, that, and no matter what you think, there's other energy out there, we can only prove one energy. All the different things from cell phones to electricity to how the uh, earth works, how light works, how, how uh, sound works, it, it all equals to the E, energy, electricity. And that electricity uh, makes us what we are. It makes light, it makes so we can hear, it, it makes the volume of space, it makes all the different trees, it all works on the electricity. So, when you say three now, we're going to get a three. Um, negative, uh, uh, positive, negative, and, and you. And that is you there in, in the existence. But if we all travel in the same direction, we wouldn't learn anything. And when, when we don't learn anything, that we get complacent. Um, sometimes that um, people say, why is it not working for me? Uh, there's, things are going on in this world. and." Uh, Nothing's working, nothing. I pray all day and, and I get nothing. Well, if, if you went in the same direction all the time, that's what would happen, but we don't. We have a spiritual sense in this life. We, we wake up from our, our slumber, our world of sleep, and realizing we, we have a point in time. We might have uh, learned this uh, probably at 39 years of old. Why, why can't it be at 18 or 10? Maybe so. There's people out there that learned the lesson. But we say 39. That's a, that's a good rounding. That means we have a certain understanding of this earth. We have a certain understanding where we are, uh, what we're doing here, what we're doing for, what money is, uh, how we get along with people. Uh, there's love, there's compassion, uh, there's kindness, there's happiness. If there's hate, we're in this world. But then we start looking around. Like, oh my goodness. So if that's true, what is it? We change our direction. And when we start changing that direction, we head in another direction. With all the same beliefs. Now we're breaking the criteria what life is, a straight line. It is not a straight line. 
This line here symbolizes that we are knowledgeable in this world. We understand uh, we have a beginning on this earth and we have an end on this earth. But in the electrical sense, there's no beginning and end. There's always, we're always doing something. And this is where the teachings come in. You, you, you may learn all the Ten Commandments in here, but this here, this line here is where we put it into practice. We did our beer parties and drug parties and traveled around the world and things like that. Now we're coming up for an answer. This, this point in time um, would be 30 degrees. Now 30 degrees is like, okay, my goodness, you, you ever do that? You get up some mornings and this is all there is and you go looking. And uh, we don't quite come up with the answers, but that line, that knowledge line, that direction comes up. And we may find something. Stop and explore that direction again. And when we start exploring that direction, guess where we're going? Almost what this line does. It's kind of going back to the beginning, life, how, how we were brought here. Uh, what, what are we doing? So this represents nine. This, this point in life, nine. So part of that, of understanding what that is now, is like, okay, there's a, there's a method, methodology to what that is. And when we understand this, this is the beginning of the teachings, of the star teachings. When we understand this, remember, these lines are flat. They have depth and they have width. Um, they, um, do they have width in time? Do they have a place in time that we can understand what that is? So we, if we have that understanding of, okay, we come up to letter number 12. And 12 has a depth to it. We look at this triangle. It has a depth in time. So if we, if we believe here, we're just once on this earth, and this is all it is. The math proves this is not. We're not, we're humans here, our energy is here, but this proves all the world has depth. Not only the humans, the ticks, the, the microscopic animals, the dolphins, the whales, all the things out there in, in this world has some sort of depth to it. And, and, and that depth that we look at, this here is into another dimension, but we're looking at it as a flat object. So our time existence in this world has an existence to it, but it has a place in time with many directions. If you look at this triangle, this has many directions that we go into, out, and out into space and different places. And if you, if you, um, if you um, did this, You come up the multiple uh, with the one 
it would just take me all night to do all these zeros, but it goes on to be at least about a million five zeros behind it. Um, so we do have a depth of time. We do have a place that we've come from to here to another place. And we're going to another place. This is only a stopping off point. Maybe we come back. Maybe so we, we have to have a place in time or the depth that we have done. So this here, uh, the, when I first looked at this, this was complicated when I first looked at it. But it is, is like anything else. Is that like anything else? It has a a, a, a paper proof or something you can write down and see that. You are very important here. Uh, uh, you're, you're being itself. It's, you've been beings from thousands and thousands of years. There's no beginning. There's no end. You, you're reincarnation over and over. You might be reincarnated over this lifetime, at least 90 to 100 years. But maybe in another lifetime, you've been on this earth for 600 years. Maybe another lifetime or place that you came from is 12,000 years. Maybe uh, another being that you've been at was at least... 50 million years that you've been in existence. That line, that circle line always goes into it. And if, if you look at that line now, that line is a sphere that is our time existence with a triangle inside of it that represents that sphere inside that triangle. And you find that that existence is it goes on forever and ever and ever. That's what I wanted to write. A lot, a lot more math than that, but that simplifies what the math is. But the existence of we're here, I mean, it's no accident. Uh, uh, are we here for a purpose? Uh, probably not. Um, people will always want a purpose of why they say, oh, well, I was chosen to be here. No, not one person is chosen to be here. We asked to be here. To be in this existence, this hologram, this whatever you want to call it, to experience whatever that experience that you experience. You know, there's no best time is one second right now, two seconds from now, three seconds. Enjoy this. You know, maybe you might enjoy it more in Tahiti or Hawaii. Yeah, but you still have the same existence. You know, maybe you look at it. You have to use every second that you can possibly use because eventually you're going to be. 70 years old, and you can look back at this, and why didn't I listen to that crazy Indian? It's like, hmm. oh, my words. Oh, man. Well, you know what? I am so happy. And if for those of you guys listening on the podcast, I invite you to check out the YouTube channel and follow along with that drawing because that is some of the stuff that you've shared with me um, when I was in Maine last year and when we've been kind of traveling around. And um, I understand some of it and some of it I have no idea. So you're like Yoda um, doing math. I try to piece it together, but it's, it's super dense um, and interesting stuff that just makes me think, what the heck do I do with myself? How do I, how do I apply that um, to my life? So um, appreciate you sharing that. And I'm glad that everyone got a little piece of, of what, I, um, <laughs> what I get to experience every now and then and, and try to explain with others. But what I have noticed over time is that something you will have shared six months ago will make more sense eventually down the line. So I want to honor your time and not go too far, but I guess the direct question I would ask is, you, you know, you're suggesting that 
we're here for maybe not a purpose, but we chose to be here and, and to enjoy the experience. Um, and there's all the external thing. What's the how to, to do it? I feel like, you know, I've, I've a lot of people stressed and they're anxious and they got all these things that they got to do. And we're trying to get better at things and grow and try to provide for our families and all that stuff. Uh, it, it can just be overwhelming. So do you have a, a, any kind of helpful stuff to make it more fun to have more <laughs> faith and, and, and enjoy it? Well, we have all the tools to make it fun. Uh, we, we, we are humans, so we're going to drag through all the different yucky stuff that makes us yucky. You know, my experience is that uh, many years ago I had a brain aneurysm, and uh, it was pretty bad. Uh, so for about six or seven years, I had to learn how to walk and talk and go to the bathroom and enjoy stuff like that. You know, I remember some of the stuff that I couldn't even speak to you like I'm speaking now, you know, and I wish at that very second that I could speak again, that I can sing because, and that was, most of that was all taken away uh, by me, not, not by anybody else, but, but by me. But when I came back into the existence of this world and had a little bit of uh, my head back that I forgot about the brain aneurysm. Because then I'm then I'm to this day. Like, oh I'm into this day. And uh, you know, I owe all this money and there's no fun. I gotta do this and go that. I remember back when I couldn't walk down the street and remember uh, my way back home. Um, but that's still the second of this day that I remember that. That the man this day might be crappy for me that I will go to bed tonight. Hopefully with a smile on my face, but it's doing actually doing it and telling people because there's no trick to this. Uh, there's no, there's no pulling a rabbit out of their hat. You have to go out and do it. You know, um, my my mate always asks me what makes me happy. You know, what would I want? And she asked me. Says, uh, "What do you, what is your incredible day?" She asked me that. Nobody's ever asked me that before. I'm thinking, what's in my what would be my incredible day? So I said, spending it with you most of the day and experience what I want to experience with you. Now, there's no such thing as a crappy relationship as much as we think. It's a relationship we don't want to be in. Um, I want to be in this relationship. Uh, I want to. I want to experience the world again. I want to see the world again. I want to. Um, wake up with this person uh, on a snowy day, on a rainy day. I want to travel around the world with this person. Now, is anybody that <laughs> knows me out there, I don't talk this way, you know. Um, uh, some people would call me flutterpated. Uh, I am probably am flutterpated, and it, and it feels good. Uh, you know, it's good to share uh, your down times with somebody and your happy times, and somebody that that a, a wings beneath your wing, wind beneath your wings, and a wind beneath her wings. That um, makes me smile and laugh. I haven't done that for many of years. So I understand, Matthew. I understand. Um, but it's like, it's going to be a, a time in our lives that we're going to look back at this second and wish we had it back and we'd do something else. You know? <laughs> Or you, you ever get into an argument with somebody and you don't know what to say because that person's doing a good argument on you and saying all these things as an argument and, and you try to come up with something and you don't have anything at that moment. But when the argument goes, then about an hour later, oh, I should have said that. 
this is kind of like this moment. It's like, yes, the, the, the experience life, the experience that second uh, in your life, uh, that's so important. Nothing else is that important out there sometimes, you know. Um, I, I thought about it uh, this morning before I got on with you. It's like, um, I seriously um, thought about what would be my incredible day? What would be your incredible day? People that's watching today, uh, what would your be incredible day? And don't say peace on earth and love and something. Think about for you, what's your incredible day? What, what would that look like? <clears throat> Go and experience that. Don't 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 make it a vacation. Oh, I'll do it next month. Do it at least next next day or so. What's your incredible day? And keep on having incredible days. Dare to dream that dream that you want. You know, I'm a scientist, so um, I, I think maybe I won't want a, a Fergus lab. That's no, I, I don't want that. I, I probably would want to be on my mountain and share it with somebody, uh, to watch the sunrise, to experience the day, to light a campfire. I mean, all that, you know, and, and I don't think I'm the most incredible, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not the most handsome person in the world, but this person loves me and, and I have no right to judge that. And so I'm going to hopefully that that's going to be like that the rest of my life. So. If um, if I die today, I am happy. I'm not dying today. <laughs> no, well, well, you know, thanks for sharing all that. It's uh, very beautiful. I'm glad that you are flutterpated. Uh, you you deserve it. And uh, to Jacqueline, who's listening, your amazing partner. I just have uh, lots of love and respect, and glad that she's been there and she's been amazing and uh, helping just, you know, bring what you've been sharing to a lot of people and working really, really hard. I, th I think that people who listen to these podcasts and uh, just see what you guys do have no idea really how hard you guys work. Um, as far as I've viewed in the world, I haven't seen very many people who work as hard as you guys do. So just thank you for everything that you do and your commitment to sharing these things. And um, I know that some days you get frustrated and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to go live on my mountain. I know how to do that. It's, it's simple and uh, I can exist. And you know what, if I were you and, and uh, you know, we're going through what you're going through, I'd probably be there a long time ago, just chilling out and, and living peacefully. Um, so I appreciate you being here and, and sharing um, and doing what you're doing. So um, thank you again for coming on the show. Is there anything that you want to share? Is there anything else that you, you wanted to talk about before we close it up? <clears throat> I just looking at some of the comments. Uh, people want to know how to help uh, financially, of course, but to take this and share as much as you possibly can share, because that does help uh, to get the word out there to, um, to volunteer. There's a lot of stuff that we have uh, things to do and volunteer. Um, we don't have enough people out there to, to help. Um, I really appreciate all the people that's helping now. We have a board and council. Uh, they went out of their way to, to, um, to help this uh, direction. Uh, they've um, some they put their lives for it to uh, so these uh, teachings can go out. Uh, I tell people to share as much as you can possibly share, and, and that helps immensely on this end uh, to know that uh, you guys are listening. Because right now, what I'm looking at is a, it's a computer. I'm not looking at you. 
but uh, to share this and, and to message us. The, 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 I want to know what you guys say. I, I, don't, I can't read all of them, but we do, I do try to get down to some of them and, and look at them and try to answer some. So, uh, yeah, just uh, let me know you're out there because that's, to me, that's the greatest thing is that part of that community is that um, at least uh, I'm doing something, you know. Thank you. I just want to thank you, all the viewers out there uh, for, for watching and listening. Thank you very much. And thank you, Matt, being you. You're a beautiful person. Thanks, David. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, everyone listening, definitely uh, help out if you can. Shares really do help. And, uh, you know, you only really, you'd have to look at all the podcasts that we've done. And there's a, there's a lot of them. But, you know, as far as the, the Biodome Project, the community, um, what these things do, and if you do the research and piece this all together. It's really extraordinary with the balloons in space and how it all ties together. It's very, very fascinating stuff. What you've been able to accomplish with literally no budget, with traveling to places where people invite you and then don't offer to pay you to speak. They don't offer to pay for your gas and you go and you figure it out. And it's amazing from, you know, the few people that have been helping. Thank you so much because it goes a long way. And I'm really excited to see what would happen with a little bit of help and a little bit of community. It doesn't need to be one person contributing everything. It, it kind of needs to be um, a lot of people contributing a little bit and working together as a community in that resonance that you speak about. And so I'm, I'm excited to hear about that or, or, or to create that. You've spoken also about having 2000 people together to hear a message. I feel like that is um, some sort of native American magic where uh, people need to be gathered in person. You say there's a lot lost in YouTube and in video and things like that. So there's an importance to gathering and there's like these things that we're just kind of losing touch. And a lot of the teachings for me have been just more one-on-one -on -one communication, less off my phone, more into reality, more. Um, and part of what I picked up today, and a lot of the times too, when you're speaking, I feel like you're speaking directly to me. I don't know if you are or are just talking in general. Um, but I think it's just like part of the struggle, quote unquote, is like the learning and the process, you know, being able to go through that and um, realizing that you are, you know, you're, you're in it, you're in the process and to enjoy it because that's, that's part of, you know, getting to the other side, hopefully. So, um, hopefully your words were helpful to other people than just me, but, um, thank you for, for being on the show again and for doing what you're doing. And I invite people to check out lonebearsarts.com, um, contribute David L. Senapass. And as a side note for the engineers and the scientists and skeptical people out there, you know, do your research, make an inquiry because we've had some people come and visit and all the engineers who have visited have, um, you know, vetted what you're doing and, and feel like it, it is viable, but it's not a business people. It's not business. It's for everybody. So I always run into that wall. So that's it. That's all I got to say. You don't want to say anything else? Uh, my honor. Um, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks, guys, for watching. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Go for the stars. All right, there it is, guys. The incredible David Lone Bear Senapass. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I highly invite you to have a look at some of the things he's saying. Do your research. Research some of the things and the projects and the incidents that he shares on this podcast and other podcasts because when you begin to do the research, you're able to connect some dots and really 
cultivate a very interesting and and different view of the reality of how this world works and have a clear lens because there's so much stuff out there about disclosure and everything else can get very convoluted. So uh, doing your research helps and you'll notice that when you start to look into these things, you're going to have a little bit of a, a clearer view, a little bit more discernment when researching this kind of material. If you want to support David, you can. he now has a Patreon. Go to David L. Senapass or patreon.com forward slash David L. Senapass. Um, he has been building all of this technology, doing all these teachings for free. His elders asked him to bring these teachings and these technologies to community and offer them freely. And he has built all this technology basically in poverty. And so we are looking for help and everything that he has been funded and helped to build works and it is really fascinating the electric bike he built the three-pole magnet the balloons he put in outer space and so we are looking for community and people to help and we will take uh, volunteers and donations and anything because when we work together as a community we can build this technology we can fund it and we can give it to all people this technology and these teachings are for all people so any help is greatly appreciated and you can reach out to me directly as well if you'd like matt at zenathlete.com and uh we'll just take it from there so thank you guys so much for listening i very much love and appreciate you i i am grateful for your time and attention i hope that wherever you are in the world that you're doing well that you're having a good day it's always a privilege to be here with you and i hope that you enjoyed that episode so thank you guys very much for listening let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close it out so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing taking a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with peace joy contentment enthusiasm hope inspiration and ready to take on the rest of the day so thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in the next episode